0: You are locked on Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs. Stephen Simcox, your host here with you, and I uh, appreciate you rolling with me on a Monday. Start to a new week. It is January 11th, and let's talk some TCU athletics. And let's start with uh, this first segment. Let's break down the men's and women's basketball games. From over the weekend, men fall 67-49 to Baylor. They are now 9-4 and on the season, 2-3 and three in Big 12 play, and they get ready for a game against Oklahoma on Tuesday night. Uh, it was an interesting game for TCU. They played, I thought, pretty well defensively in the first half. Mike Miles hits a 65-foot, like three-quarter court shot at the halftime buzzer. To give them the lead going into the break 28 to 27 but it, it never really felt like they had baylor on the ropes i mean listen like i, I know people don't like to hear this uh if you're a tcu fan baylor is uh they might play for national title this year i mean they, they look like a final four caliber team they're really really good uh and they're just tough to beat because they're so versatile jared butler who's one of the better players in the league he had 27 points on the night, but for TCU, only 21 points in the second half um, and 28 points in the first half, did a lot of that damage from the free-throw line. They were able to get Baylor in foul trouble early and sort of getting the bonus, but just a really tough night offensively. Mike Miles had 17 points and had some big moments. I mean, he hit that big shot at the halftime buzzer. Um, he crossed a few guys up. And hit a three after a, a nice little crossover, so you know I felt like he was having a really good game. But then I look at the stat sheet and he was three of eleven. Now I got to the free throw line, which was good to see, and um, was three of eight from three, which helped his point total. But overall, he had a tough night shooting, and uh, everyone else followed suit. R.J. Nimhard only with 14 points on five of 14 shooting. Uh, you know, Kevin Samuel only six points. Miles and Nimhardt were the only two guys in double digits. And the glaring problem that this team has, and, I mean, we've, we've talked about it before, but they have two guys on this roster who can create their own shot. I mean, RJ can and Mike can, and that's it. Like, once you get past those two guys, they just don't have anyone um, who can create good looks. You know, Francisco Farabello is a good catch-and-shoot guy. Check Bannon has shown some ability to score, but he's mainly been another catch-and-shoot type player. Um, Kevin Samuel, I actually asked John Denton about this before the the Baylor game because, you know, if you listen to the pod, I've been pounding the table for a long time, about you have to find a way to get this guy more touches. And when I asked John Denton about it on one of my radio shows uh, on Friday before the game, he basically said, you know, the deal with Kev is um, – the guards on this roster, the perimeter players, they're not hitting their jump shots. And when you're not hitting jump shots, um, you can't can't pull the defense out and then go to work down low. So since teams really don't have much respect for TCU's ability to score from the perimeter, they can pack the paint and throw extra bodies at that big man. And Baylor did some of that on Saturday. But overall, you know, the Bears – they they got some open jump shots in the first half that they didn't hit, and they really forced the issue in the second half, getting to the rim, getting to the cup, you know, even though they were sort of contested layups, making sure that they got more quality shots. And TCU didn't do a good job of staying in front of them and, and cutting off that dribble penetration, and it hurt them. Um, and offensively it was just a tough day. The turning point in that game to me, and it was it was early on, I think there was about eight minutes left in the first half, TCU went up 19-15, to 15, and Baylor just really wasn't in a rhythm offensively. They had their uh, bench in there for the most part. Their bench unit was rolling, and TCU was up four, and they had multiple chances to go up six or or seven, you know, if they could have scored, and they just couldn't score. Like, they just weren't hitting – jump shots, they weren't getting quality looks, they were turning the ball over. And then Baylor goes on a 6-0 run, takes the lead, and then they never really looked back. I mean, TC was able to cut the gap towards the end of halftime, hit that crazy shot at the halftime buzzer to go up one, but they couldn't really recover from not taking advantage of that opportunity they had. And if you don't take advantage of opportunities against this Baylor team, it shifts me a long night. As I said, Jared Butler had 28 points. Um, but they did a good job on pretty much everybody else. I mean, Macy Oteague and Davion Mitchell are two of their better scorers, and they had 12 and 10 points respectively. I thought they played pretty good defense. They held Baylor to 45% shooting from the field, 31% from three. I mean, defensively, I think the team did a nice job overall, but offensively, just no rhythm. And now they take on Oklahoma, and it's a big game because you lost to OU earlier this year, and you're in a really tough stretch right now you don't want to fall a couple games below 500 if you can avoid that but TCU and OU that game is on Tuesday night and it's at 6:30 p.m. ESPN Plus is where you can find that one if you want to watch it and the Lady Frogs uh they lose on Saturday 69 to 50 um they actually played Oklahoma State that wasn't the plan they're going to play uh K-State this weekend but Had some postponements because K-State's having major issues with COVID. So they end up having to rework the schedule and play Oklahoma State. And this is the second time in a row they played the Cowgirls. They had to play them in back-to-back games. And this is just a really tough matchup for them, obviously, because neither game has been close. Um, Lauren Hurd had 22 points. She had a nice day. 9-23 from the field. But Lauren's just not getting any help. I mean, it's just the honest truth. They shot 29% from the field. 30% thirty percent from three and they remain winless in Big Twelve play. Uh, you know, I saw Coach people say after the game, hey, we're still confident if we can get some girls back um that we have a chance to be good this year and improve. Um I, I'm just I'm starting to lose faith. I mean it, it, it's I understand it's tough, but this is uh this is a, a rough stretch. And this is a team that was in the uh, that was in the should have been in the NCAA tournament last year. So I'm just confused at the complete nosedive that they've taken. But they'll try to bounce back and keep going. And no coach, people who's working hard and that staff's working hard to try to turn things around. They play Texas next, and that's going to be another tough matchup. Coming up uh, in their next segment, I want to run down some Big Twelve news and some TCU news. We'll do all that next. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, national title game tonight. And if you want to make some money, it's not too late. I go to betonline.ag. Again, that's betonline.ag. They'll have uh, great advice for how to bet tonight against the line or in some prop bets and NFL playoffs going on as well. Betonline.ag is your place to be. They are your online sportsbook experts. Betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On when you visit, and they'll give you a 50% welcome bonus. So, if you don't want to use your money to try to make some money initially, use that 50% welcome bonus, give it a shot, and they'll help you out. BetOnline.ag, lines, advice, also the latest news. Again, that's betonline.ag. Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Stephen Simcox here with you. Appreciate you joining me on a Monday, January 11th. And let's break down some TCU news and some Big 12 news as we look around the conference and uh, specifically at the Frogs. First of all, congratulations to Trayvon Merrig. He wins the Jim Thorpe Award. Uh, You know, great accomplishment for him. Beats out a couple great DBs. And, you know, I was a little surprised by this. Now, I guess I shouldn't have been. I know Trayvon had a good season. I just – I really thought Patrick Sertain would probably win it because – He's an Alabama corner. He'd had a good season, and it just sort of felt like, from a national perspective, Merrick and Washington go under the radar a little bit. So really pleasantly surprised that Trayvon got this done. And just another great example. you know, I saw this uh, I think it was Max Olson that put it together after he won the award. Merrick was a three-star commit, a three-star prospect coming out of high school. Um, wasn't super highly rated, wasn't, you know, not everybody was on this guy. And it's just another example of, and I know we, we give this coaching staff a hard time sometimes and are critical of them, and hey, rightly so. Like, that that's fair. It's a big-time job, and they don't always get it right. But this coaching staff and Gary Patterson and that defensive staff specifically – They do such a good job of identifying talent and the developing it. I mean, they will take, you know, Jeff Gladney, not a super highly rated guy. LJ Collier from a really small town in West Texas. Not a lot of people were on him. They turned him into a star. Uh, Jerry Hughes. The list goes on. I mean, we could all name 50 players or so that have come through this program, especially on that defensive side of the ball. And – have gotten it done, Um, it's incredible. So I think hats off to the coaching staff for once again seeing, hey, this guy's got talent. Um, We're going to do our thing, and we're going to make him a great player. We're going to be patient and and bet on this getting some good return for our investment. And that's what happened with, uh, with Trayvon Merrigan. He wins the Thorpe Award. Best DB in the nation. Say it with me, best DB in the nation. That's pretty special. Also, on the uh, recruiting front, a transfer coming in, a grad transfer from Memphis, Obina Ezzi. Obina Ezzi, he is a huge guy. War number 77, he's a, a tackle. He's 6'6", 315, former four-star recruit. Comes over from the Tigers. He was a two-year starter. At Memphis, so you're getting a, a guy who is going to make an automatic impact, and I'm uh, I'm excited. Like this is a, this is a huge deal. We we all know this team struggled on the offensive line. Um, they just they couldn't get it done at times, and this is a guy that's going to come in and I think start immediately, and especially if T.J. Stormont comes back, and you have him on one side and Ezzy on the other. And then Steve Avila on the inside. Maybe Garrett Hayes makes his way in the mix, former four-star recruit, top 100 player. Um, you have the makings of a really good offensive line. I don't know if it's going to come together, but you definitely have the makings of a really good offensive line, and I'd like to see how that comes together throughout the season. So, Abina Eze, he's headed to TCU. He's headed to Fort Worth, coming over from Memphis, I really like this. A transfer to position in need. Who's going to make an immediate impact? Just something to watch moving forward. Finally, wanted to share uh, just a Big 12 note with you. Baylor's making some significant changes with their coaching staff. um, And they go get a new offensive coordinator. They parted ways with Larry Fedora and hired Jeff Grimes from BYU. BYU, as you might know, had a really great season. Zach Wilson um, turned into a star. He's going to be probably a top 10 draft pick, and Jeff Grimes, O.C., is coming over, and he's going to lead that Bears offense. They also uh, hired Eric Mietos, the offensive line coach at BYU, so it seems like Baylor is trying to become more physical and uh, run the ball a lot, um, play a more pro-style offense. I I don't know if it'll work, but I'll say that's a really aggressive hire and it's somebody in Grimes who was a really hot name on the coaching market. So on the surface, on paper, it looks like a really good hire. And I saw Parker uh, Fleming, who works for Purple Theory, runs Purple Theory, tweet this out. TCU needs to be similarly aggressive in replacing Sonny Cumby. Now, I don't know what they end up doing. I, I feel like they're probably just going to uh, – promote Kenny Hill which I I wouldn't be super upset at that I know Kenny's done a good job but I think Parker makes a good point you know this staff has been very uniform and pretty much the same rotating cast year after year so adding some new ideas to that mix adding some fresh blood I think that's only going to help this team and I hope they go ahead and make that decision to make that happen but we'll see what they end up doing but just want to pass that along Jeff Grimes who was at BYU, headed to Baylor as the new Bears OC. So interested to see kind of what he does with that offense. Gary really had uh, Jeff Nixon's number when he was there under Matt Rule, and then Larry Fedora in that offense did not do much against Gary Patterson's defense this past year. So it's been a while. It's really been since Art was there that a a Baylor OC kind of pushed him schematically. And I think Jeff Grimes is a guy – that can do that, but we'll see sort of what they end up doing. they got to replace their quarterback in a couple other positions. Um, So we'll we'll see how that plays out. And I'd just like to see TC maybe think outside the box a little bit and not just get stuck on, okay, well, let's just promote this guy because he's been here with us for a while and kind of knows what we're doing and understands the system. Coming up next, I'm going to run down my way-too-early Big 12 Power Rankings We'll do that next. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we hit on some power rankings, though, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the most delicious protein bar on the market. It has uh, some classic, delicious flavors like German chocolate and peanut butter, but it also has some more original flavors, some more dynamic flavors like cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the cookies and cream and Another great thing about Built Bar is it's good for you. It's only 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of fat. So it's good fuel for your body. It's not going to uh, make you cheat on your whole diet for a day. And if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code On, you get 20% off your order. So if you want to give this a shot, go to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code LOCKEDON and get 20% off your next order. BuiltBar.com. Again, Built Bar, the most delicious protein bar on the market. Try it today. Final segment here on Locked On Horn Frog. Steven Simcox here with you. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on TuneIn, wherever it is that you listen to me. I appreciate you doing so, and I'd love for you to subscribe so you can get it sent straight to your phone every day. Okay, let's do this. Let's do some Big 12 Power Rankings. We'll go one to 10 and and we'll just sort of run it down here. And this is my power rankings for big 12 football going into next season. I know it's very, very early and there's a lot to be done, but I I just kind of want to put it out there. So number one, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. And I know it's boring, but I mean, to be honest, I, I think it's the way to go. The Sooners, This was the year to get them. I'm concerned that Big 12 teams really missed out on an opportunity because they were young. They had a brand-new quarterback in Spencer Rattler. And as the year went on, they figured it out. I think they're going to be better next year. Um, They really seemed to lean on that run game late in the season. Alex Grinch has done a nice job turning around this defense. I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to put the Oklahoma Sooners number one. And, you know, up until the last couple days – I would have had TCU at number two, but something is is brewing in Ames. They got a lot of guys coming back. Charlie Kolar, their big tight end, announced today, hey, I'm coming back for another season. Um, They're sort of the perfect team for this extra year of eligibility because they have a lot of really good college players, but they're mostly guys who are going to be sort of fringe roster guys, I think, in the NFL. So I, I feel like, you know, you can keep them around for a while. So I'm going to go with the Cyclones at two. They really impressed me all year long. I think Matt Campbell's a great coach. And because of the players coming back, I'm going to put them ahead of TCU. But at number three, I'm going to roll with the Frogs. This is supposed to be the year for them. Uh, and, and I've been pleasantly surprised and impressed with the transfers they've added in the offseason. You know, Chandler Morris. I don't know if he's gonna end up being the guy. I still think it's Max Duggan's team. But um, I, I like this group. And he adds some depth. And then you add Albina Inzi today, who we talked about in the last segment. Big physical offensive lineman. That's gonna help this group as well. So I'll put the Horn Frogs at number three. I like this team a lot. This is supposed to be the year on defense. The secondary is going to be really, really deep. Have to replace those guys at safety, but corner. You have a a lot of players with experience coming back. And, I mean, in typical Gary Patterson fashion, I think there might be some things they have to work out early in the season, but by the end of the year, they're going to be a really dominant defense. So TCU at three. At number four, I'm going to roll with the Horns. Texas comes in at four. Steve Sarkisian, first-year head coach. They're sort of starting this thing from scratch. I like Sark. Now, at USC, his resume was not just overpoweringly impressive. I mean, I think he was good. He was solid. He won nine or ten games a year. Or more like eight or nine games a year. But, I mean, that's that's why Texas moved on from Tom Herman. while why they moved on from Charlie Strong. So, yeah, he did a great job at Alabama. But I just don't think it's enough that he's going to step in and turn this thing around immediately in year one. Texas does have a lot of talent, though, and if they can find somebody who can manage that, then I think they have a chance to be really special. So I'm going to take the Horns at four. At five, I'm going to go with uh, with Kansas State. And it, it's really just for one reason. When Skylar Thompson is their quarterback, which he's going to be for another year, They're just a different team. I mean, they were on their way to putting, I think, a special year together. And then Thompson got hurt. Will Howard had to come in. They sort of survived that for a while. And then quickly everything went downhill. But I think Chris Kleiman's a great coach. Thompson coming back. He had a lot of guys on offense coming back. That defense has established themselves as a solid defense in this league. So, I like KU at number five. Halfway through our way too early power rankings. At six, let's go with West Virginia. And this West Virginia team is really good. Um, Neil Brown, I believe in him as a head coach. You know, Jarrett Daigie, eh, he he's a so-so quarterback. But they're really good on both their offensive and defensive lines. That defense is physical. They're nasty. I I, I like this group a lot. So I'm going to go... With West Virginia at six, at seven, I'll roll with Oklahoma State. You might say that's way too low for OSU. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm betting on Mike Gundy in this whole situation, kind of imploding. They're supposed to be great this year. It didn't work out. You're losing Tylen Wallace. You're losing Chuba Hubbard. You're losing some guys in this defense that are really special. It just sort of feels like this team has reached their ceiling in the Mike Gundy era. That they they've gotten where they can go. So I'm going to have them there at seven. And that might end up being too low, but I felt like Oklahoma State was the best team in the league this year and they end up finishing fourth or fifth. I mean, you know, they just they don't quite get over the hump. And I think that eventually takes a toll on you. At eight, I'm going to go Baylor. And I do think Dave Aranda's a good coach. I just feel like he had a really tough situation. He was walking into a year one. Things sort of blew up on him. And now he's still rebuilding that roster in year two. But that defense is really good. And they got better as the season went on. So, I'm curious to see sort of how they improve as, as the year goes on. But I'll take Baylor at eight. At number nine, I'm going to roll with Texas Tech. And, I mean, I was tempted to maybe put them at ten. But I think they're just too talented to, to go below Kansas. The Matt Wells situation is super interesting, though. It feels like they don't really want him there. And that's never good. And I, I don't I don't necessarily believe in Sonny Cumbie as a play caller. So I'm going to roll with them at nine. And number 10, I mean, it's KU. What are you going to say? I mean, they, they don't have an FBS roster. I think they're trying to get there unless Miles is, is really there to help them with their recruiting. But it's not there yet. They only came close in one game this year against Tech, and it's because Tech kept turning the ball over. So number 10, the Kansas Jayhawks. Those are your way-too-early power rankings. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Don't forget national title game tonight. Might recap a little bit of that on Tuesday, but this is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.